Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today we are going to discover that no matter what your age, you can always say yes to adventure. I have with me today two best friends who at 81 years old decided they would travel the world together, and that's exactly what they did. Since returning just a few weeks ago, they have taken the media by storm, and their story has appeared all over the place, including Good Morning America, CBS News, and even Saturday Night Live, just to name a few. Ellie Hamby and Dr. Sandy Hazlip are here with us. Ellie is an international documentary photographer who has traveled to 107 countries and all seven continents. She lives in Texas, but also maintains a home in Zambia and is currently the director of the Zambia Medical Mission. Dr. Sandy also lives in Texas and serves as the medical director for Windcrest Health and Rehab and is a physician for Hospice of the Big Country. She's also a published author and lecturer and notes that one of her greatest joys has been taking her grandchildren on mission trips all over the world over the past 18 years. Sandy and Ellie have an incredibly zealous spirit for adventure, and I am so excited to share their story of traveling around the world in 80 days at age 80. Sandy and Ellie, welcome to the campfire. Thank you. Oh, thank you guys so much for being here. This is this is so much fun. I I wonder if we can just start. I mean, you guys, this was, must have been a whirlwind. You guys started going on this adventure in January. You've come back in April, and you just have been. I mean, you guys are famous. You, you got way, <laughs> way more than your fifteen minutes of fame. What what's that been like for you? Well, it's been quite strange. A week and a half before we left on the trip, the only people uh, that knew we were doing this trip was our family and friends. And then we had a local TV station that actually covered it. We were speaking at a local retirement center just about our trip, and they invited the local TV station. And wow, that went national. And then <laughs> CBS, the first the first day on the our trip when we arrived in uh, Argentina, headed to the Antarctic, there was an email from CBS News. And that just from there on, it's been crazy all over the world. It's amazing. TV things. Yeah. So, yeah. I mentioned earlier, I mean, just this morning, I was checking my Instagram feed and there you are on Saturday Night Live. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now we're now we're the subject of jokes. Now. <laughs> no, it's OK. It was cute. It's amazing. <laughs> so for the listeners, I wonder if we could just start. Could you just give us let's start with an actual overview of the trip itself. Um, where'd you go? When did you go? How long? Can you can you just kind of hit some highlights? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, we, we based the trip on Phileas Fogg's story around the world in 80 days. And so that was the reason. And Sandy, you tell him how we, I mean, how that started. Well, actually, Ellie and I had taken some pretty good trips a few years ago. And so then in anticipation of our turning 80 years old, one day I said to Ellie, 
wouldn't it be fun to go around the world in 80 days at age 80? Well, Ellie's eyes got big around it. Woohoo! So we started planning. And as she just said, we we based part of we based this on the on the round the world trip of Phileas Fogg. And so we wanted to go to as many cities as he had gone to as possible, but we wanted to do more. So we made sure that we went to all seven continents. We wanted to see as many world wonders as possible. And so that's how that all got started and how the planning went. And you know, it was to be around the world in 80 days at age 80. We had all of our tickets bought, everything planned, and COVID shut that down last year. Yeah. But COVID did not shut us down. <laughs> so we made it this year, and our new theme was Around, around the, the World, world 80, 80 Days, days at, at 81 and Still on the Run. run. Yeah. <laughs> 81 and Still on the Run. I love it. Oh, my gosh. What an awesome story. So, so you guys set off in January of this year. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. January 11th. And, and we finished April 1st. April 1st. Okay. And this wasn't yes. a joke. You came back on April Fool's Day, but it was. We did. What a joke. <laughs> yeah, we started in the Antarctic. You had asked previously why or how this trip was scheduled. And so our first big stop was the Antarctic because you can only go there a few months out of the year. because You have to go in their summertime. And uh, that was then. So we did. Then we went to Easter Island, uh, Argentina, back there. We were going to Peru. And three days before we were flying to Peru because of political unrest that got canceled. The view, they closed down much yeah. people and things. So we had to make a quick adjustment, but it was, it was no fine. problem. Yeah. And there we went to, we went to Spain. <clears throat> and from there we went to the Arctic Circle to Lapland, Finland. Wow. And we saw the Northern Lights. You saw you. them. <laughs> yes, we, we did. did. Twice. <laughs> I mean, we had, we took two times to do it and uh, a bit of determination, but we decided we're going here and we're, we've been here and we're going, we didn't see them the first night. We got a different company and they were phenomenal. And so we saw them the second we, night. Beautiful. So that was great. And then after that, we went to Rome to see it, the natural wonder of the world, the Coliseum, and then to London where we were being filmed by CBS. We'd already planned that stop just because that was a big Phileas Fogg. And then from London, we went to, to Zanzibar. Zanzibar. And from Zanzibar, we went to Zambia and saw another world wonder, Victoria Falls. Mm -hmm. And then from Victoria Falls, we went to Egypt, Egypt and saw the world wonder of the pyramids. And then from Egypt, we went to India. And saw the Taj Mahal. And then from India, we went to Nepal. And, and saw we flew yes we did <laughs> saw up you go we flew we flew over Mount Everest I wanted her to say it. yeah oh I'm sorry <laughs> you guys are good you guys are very practiced I like the guys the way that yeah, you share right. the stage this, yeah. this is great and so anyway then at, from Nepal we went to Japan mm -hmm. no and no world wonders but we did go to Mount Fuji and that was fun yeah. yeah. And then from Japan, we flew to Bali. Wow. And that, oh my gracious, what a gorgeous island with every kind of beautiful flower, everything. Yeah. Rice then, fields, yeah. mountains, and the the happy swing over the rice fields of Bali. <laughs> yeah. That was that one was a fun experience. One totally unplanned. We were just driving past it. And uh, on the road going up the mountains, we saw a sign, Happy Swing. We said, 
what's that? Well, let's just turn around and see what that is. And we did in that time of our life. Then from Bali, we went on to Australia. And of course, that's so huge continent, I mean, in a country. And uh, we uh, went to the, the world. world. Yes, but then the world wonder. The Great the Barrier, great, the barrier oh, Reef. The Barrier Reef, we're, yeah. We snorkeled. Thank you very much. <laughs> you snorkeled. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So. Also, while we were in Australia, Ellie, the Wonder Woman, allowed a python to wrap itself around her body. What? Yeah, that was, we were in the outback in Alice Springs and uh, not a whole lot to do there, but go to a reptile center. So you are did. brave. Wow. <laughs> And then from there, we went to Tasmania, which is just a state in Australia, which we dearly loved. Oh, beautiful. And then we returned back to LAX and what World Wonder? We went to the Grand Canyon, thank you very much, in Arizona. <laughs> and back to Dallas on April Fool's Day, and that completed our trip. Oh, my gosh. I mean, truly a whirlwind, worldwide trip. This is just was. <laughs> so much fun. And, you know, again, for listeners, I mean, you guys... You guys have now a blog. You guys are all over social media. There's a lot of places where people can kind of follow your journey and see yes. more about it. Um, but, you know, it's super fun, like re reaching out to you guys. This podcast is all about this the, the, the answering the call to adventure, like experiencing that voice that calls us to adventure. And, you know, you guys have gotten all this incredible media coverage about this great, great story. But I really want to kind of get under the covers here a little bit and find out like a little bit more about some of the internal motivations. And I'm really excited about that um, because what you've done is just, it's super inspiring. And, and I know that, you know, while these media stories are, are fun and Saturday Night Live is, you know, doing their thing, what you guys have done really will inspire people. And, uh, and I think it's, it's really important that people hear your story. And so I wonder, could we, um, could we talk a little bit about your history? How did you guys meet? Well, we actually got to know each other in Africa, in Zambia on a medical mission, but we met a few months prior to that, just in a passing meeting and Sandy will tell about that. Well, we met at a medical missions workshop because uh, my husband had died uh, about six months before I went to the medical missions workshop. And right before he got sick and died, he made the statement one evening, Sandy, we ought to start thinking about taking our grandsons on mission trips in the summertime. Well, I'm a busy doctor, you know, and I looked at him, what kind of mission trips? And he said, well, I don't know, Sandy, but I'm sure we could find something that would be of benefit to others. And it would be a great experience for my grandson, for our grandsons. Well, shortly after that, he got sick and he died, but he had planted that seed in my heart. And shortly after he died, um, a physician friend of mine uh, mentioned that he was going to a medical missions workshop in Dallas, Texas. And I thought, why are you telling me that? <laughs> so, of course, I found myself at the medical missions yeah. workshop that following weekend. And that's where I met Ellie and her husband, who were in charge of one of the mission trips, uh, Zambia Medical Mission. And uh, that's how I ended up going mm -hmm. and how we became friends. Yeah. We've been doing the medical mission has been going on for 27 years. So Sandy, that was, that was. I've been going for pro. 20, over uh, 21 years. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole nother story because <laughs> we were out in the bush joined by 
uh, about 120 Zambian medical volunteers, no one's ever paid, and about 70 Mar um, from all over the world, but mostly U.S. people, medical and non-medical, and we'll see, like, we'll have two to 3,000 patients a day coming in from all over. So anyway, that's how we got to know each other in the bush of Africa. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. This podcast is a passion project for me because I absolutely love adventure. And it's thanks to the effort of my residential real estate team here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that many of you know as the W Realty Group, that this podcast gets funded. This awesome group of people have unmatched levels of competence and caring for our clients. If you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a home, our team serves the Charlotte, North Carolina market, but we can also help you find an agent anywhere throughout the US or Canada through our highly connected network. When you support our real estate business, you are also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for your referrals. In the bush of Africa, doing, doing mission work. Uh, yes. In Africa. So I think it's also important for, for people to understand that this trip around the world was not your first time traveling That's internationally. This is this has been a lifelong thing for you guys. So since you mentioned that, may I tell you, please, we had taken a few years ago, three previous trips. Back in 2008, we it was our first just fun trip together. And we went on the Trans-Siberian train. Cool. Second class. Yeah, second class. The next year in 2009, we went uh, through Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And of course, as, as we always say, we do things second class. We stayed in little local hotels. Oh, well, the, the we YMCA, in, the YMCA in, Singapore. in Singapore. Highly recommend it. <laughs> great place, great location, good, great budget. And then we rode. <laughs> We rode uh, trains. Yeah. Second class sleepers with curtains in yeah. front. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then uh, from Cambodia to Vietnam, we rode a public bus. And I, there were a few chickens on that bus. <laughs> <laughs> and then our last trip that we took was in 2011. And we went to the Middle East. Yes. And we were, now remember I just said 2011. And we were in Syria mm. when the war started. We left Damascus at 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. And the first shots were fired in Damascus at noon that Friday. Wow. And then we got on a public bus to go to the Syrian desert, Palmyra, about 90K kilometers from uh, 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 Iraq. And we spent rode camels for three hours. Sandy didn't ride the camel the whole way. She walked some, but that's another point. Uh, and we spent the night with a Bedouin family that spoke no English, just out in the middle of the desert. And then the next morning is when we found out that the war had started. So we had quite an adventure of getting into unmarked cars and getting out of the country and everything. Wow. What a story. So, yeah. So we've had a lot of fun travels together. And what happened was how Sandy and I started scheming with these travels. My husband unexpectedly died in 2005. And that was the same time Sandy had moved her practice to Abilene. And she lived in a town about 60 miles away. She didn't want to and she wanted to stay there, but she didn't want to go back every night. So she calls me up two months after my husband passed away and said, Ellie, I've got a deal for you. If you'll give me a bed 
two nights a week, I'll take you out to eat. Well, that was 18 years ago. And that's what, that's how all this scheming planned. So we had two nights a week for 18 years to plan all our scheming and trips and things. And we realized we're very similar personalities. We do not get upset easy. We just say, okay, this isn't working. What's going to work and smile. We've always just learned, you know, we have to smile if we're going to solve a problem. Wow. So, all right. So 18 years as roommates. Yes. <laughs> a lot of time to plan these epic trips. Yes. And I appreciate you sharing your stories. You guys both have some some motivations of uh, husbands that have passed away and, and yes. both kind of helped you guys set this vision to, to continue on and to take these adventures. I wonder if we could go there a little bit. Um, for each of you, when did you first experience that call to adventure and 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 I guess what what was it for each of you individually that that drew you to this life of travel because this around the world at at in 80 days at age 80 this is just kind of the icing on the cake it's just like yeah. <laughs> you know just one more step in this whole lifelong journey of travel well actually I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma cattle farm and a wheat farm and very small place, Western Oklahoma, small little town nearby of 450 people. But at my, the library at the school, I just read every book I could about women who were making a difference, explorers like Amelia Earhart. I yeah. just had a fascination with her and other women and authors that were women. Pearl S. Buck, because she always wrote these wonderful stories about China and things. So I started, I guess it was just natural. Somehow it was I was born to have an interest in exploring and adventure. Yeah. And Ellie, what, what was, do you remember like some of your earliest adventures? No, there was none until my husband and I got married. I, we married quite young. I was just out of high school and he was in college. And of course we went on, he went on to finish his PhD at the university of Texas and things. And, but it was, uh, we now, we did, go because he was somewhat adventuresome he was not he was adventuresome like i was and we made a trip when we were in school at the university of texas when he was getting his phd to mexico and it was one of those budget you know stay cheap go because we didn't have very much money to do any kind of traveling and then that kind of opened the door and then i actually lived in africa we didn't my husband and i moved there uh he left his full tenured, full professorship at the university. And we moved to Zambia for six years. And then once you've lived in a foreign country, well, it's, it's, it makes it easier to adjust to travel than any country. Yeah. Well, and there's a big jump in there. You know, you, you studied Amelia Earhart and yes. some of these other women explorers. And then um, this, this uh, move to Mexico, this trip to Mexico with your husband. Now, all of a sudden you're, you're moving to Africa. Can you, can you fill that gap? How did, how did that happen for you? <laughs> oh, well, that's kind of, uh, um, well, we just, we, we had this, adventure that we you know we like to travel and then we moved to uh and my husband finished his phd and we moved to a a christian university abilene christian university in abilene texas where he was a professor and uh then we started getting involved in missions and it kind of fulfilled our adventures of some spirit to do things uh by that and so we made a few trips 
to South America and other places uh, just on our own, basically mostly mission based until then we did till we moved to Zambia and that was in 1980 when we made our first uh, trip to Africa. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, you said that it fulfilled your spirit. And I wonder if you could I, expound on that just a little bit. Well, I just like adventure and me seeing new things. That's just always been something that's always excited me, meeting different people, new people and seeing new things. I just have never been content to be in my house knitting. I'm sorry, man. I know that's a nice <laughs> thing to do. And I, I love it when somebody knits something that's wonderful, but I can't, it just doesn't fit my personality. I just go crazy. I've got to be out doing something, seeing something. And you have. Sandy, how about you? Well, I have to really back up for that, okay? Yeah. Because um, I married when I was still 19. My husband was in college and I worked while he finished his degree. And we had our children. And when our son was 13 months old, he developed diabetes, type 1 diabetes. I was a young mama. I knew nothing about diabetes, but I read everything I could get my hands on. There was no Google back in those days, but there was the library. So the more I learned about diabetes, the more I wanted to learn about medicine in general. So when I was 34 years old and our oldest daughter was about to start in the eighth grade and our son in the fifth grade, our second daughter in the third, I just mentioned to my husband, um, honey, when school starts this fall, I want to take a couple of college courses. And my husband said, why? And I said, well, Donald, you've been to college and all of our friends have been to college and I want to go to college. Uh-huh. And he grinned and said, what's on your mind? <laughs> and I said, I thought, oh, he's going to think I'm a nut. And I said, well, Donald, I want to become a doctor. And he said, well, honey, why didn't you say so? <laughs> so I started to college at 34 and I started to medical school at age 39. Let me tell you, that was an adventure, buddy. <laughs> that is right there. I love that. I had three children at home and it was busy. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and do you remember like the, the motivation behind that in itself? I mean, that's pretty incredible to, to go to college at 34 and medical school at 39. The motivation was because my because as I said, I learned about diabetes. Yeah. And yeah. actually, when it first got on my heart, my husband helped to actually start the Diabetes Association chapter in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. And um, so uh, we were asked to give talks to different civic organizations and things about diabetes. And as I was giving those talks about diabetes, I realized, well, this is what I love to do. I need to learn more about mm -hmm. this so I can do this more. And it just grew and grew until I knew I wanted to become a doctor. So yeah, that's how so happened. You both obviously have this service spirit, mm -hmm. right? Ellie with the, with the mission work and Sandy yeah. with your, the calling to become a doctor, which then led you to mission work. Can you, can you bridge that gap? How you ended up in Africa? Well, how I ended up in Africa was, after my husband died and I was looking for things to fill my heart, I went to a medical missions workshop in Dallas, Texas, mm -hmm. and I met Ellie and her husband uh, who were 
they're uh, talking about their medical mission. Uh, and so I became acquainted with them and I thought, well, actually, I thought, I don't want to go to Africa. I'm not that adventuresome. <laughs> but they were so convincing that I went to Africa. <laughs> and then there was no turning back. That's right. <laughs> so, may I tell you May I tell you a really neat story about all of that? Please. Okay. So also, I've gone other places on medical mission trips. And one of those was to Cambodia and served on the Ship of Life. And Cambodia, uh, throughout Southeast Asia, Diabetes has become much more prevalent than in the days past. And in Cambodia, there, because of the Khmer Rouge regime, there was a shortage of physicians for many years. And so the director of the Ship of Life was asked by the Ministry of Health of Romania, excuse me, of Cambodia, do you know any physicians in America who would come and give a seminar to our physicians in Cambodia about diabetes? Mm, yes, and you do. And knew my history and said, do I? Mm -hmm. And so when I gave a three-day seminar in Cambodia to physicians about diabetes, I thought, my life has come full circle. That's really, it's really incredible. And, and you know, it, it's clear that the, the level of depth that you guys bring to this whole voice that calls to adventure, it's so much deeper than you know, a three to four month trip around the country. This is just something around the world. This is just something that's been kind of brewing for you guys for a very, very long time. So I'm curious, as you were kind of putting the pieces together for your for your around the world in 80 days, can you talk us through that kind of that planning process? How long did you guys, how long were you planning this? <laughs> well, it took a while because we, we used a yogi. First, we decided where we were going and all the cities, and we used a, the One World Alliance Around the World ticket. They offer a ticket around the world, 16 mm -hmm. segments. Uh, you have to circumvent the world in one direction, and you have to cross both oceans, and uh, and they have a set price according to what city you originate in. And so that was our number one thing that we, you know, that we set was, was the planning, you know, doing that, that kind of... Uh, uh, helped us. Uh, and then we just trying to plan all. So once you got your cities where you're going to go or countries, once we got to a country on One World Alliance, then we would use our airline miles and get tickets to other places in that country or in that continent. And, and then, then go back to we, where we had flown into on One World Alliance and fly to the next stop. And that led to then our next thing was uh, hotels and we used one search engine we said pay us because we could do phenomenal because <laughs> it was booking.com and it was amazing and we looked for number one location we looked we're coming into uh santiago chile we want to be close to the square downtown okay put in that location number one number two is the rating has to be unless it's a real exception has to, and their rating system is one to ten it has to be at eight at least an eight rating. And uh, uh, then the third thing is that we find, okay, we've narrowed it down to this and find the cheapest one amongst those uh, to fit us into that location. So, so, you know, our average cost of hotels for these 80 days. It was $29 a person a night. $29 per person per night. 
Yes, and the best price we had was $13.50 a person in Cairo, Egypt, with a million-dollar view. We go to the rooftop, and there the pyramids are right there. I mean, you could just walk over to the pyramids. We could watch the light show at night with no charge. And it, But it wasn't a normal hotel. It was a home that the parents had died. It was a six floor, six, there was, yeah, it was a big old home. And the sons decided to turn it into rooms for guests. And there was no lobby, you know, <laughs> it was in the alley and, but it was, it was great. Wonderful. We and loved it. Literally $13.50 a person. And that wasn't the Sandy and Ellie charm. Are you, am I hearing that you, that anybody can do that? You can do yes. that if you're willing, but most people would just turn up their, we'd scared to death to do that. They want a, a hotel that's got comfort zone in to them. So it's, yes, anybody can do it, but you just got to be willing to take a deep breath. And, and if it's got good ratings, you know, it's not going to get good ratings if it's a really bad place. Yeah. And, and Ellie and I truly, we try our best on every trip to totally stay in local, small hotels. And we love it. Uh, we're one of the few Americans who are staying in those hotels yes. and it is so much fun. And that's how we meet people. Yeah, can we talk about that for a minute? You, you said, you know, you have to be willing. You have yes. to be able to take a deep breath, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> what, what, is, what is that like for you guys? Oh, we love it. Actually, we just love it. We just bask when we walk into this gym that we found just out in the middle of nowhere. And was it in Aswan, Egypt? Oh, man, we had to take a ferry across. We walked searching for this place. This was and this was another really cool one. And yeah, we got our Google Maps. So it's it's not doing too much too good on that. But anyway, we took a ferry across the Nile to the other side and walking around in the back and asking people, we finally came upon this little place and it was like, we loved it. Oh, it was so cool. And uh, uh, just, just a huge delight, but yeah, you just have to be a bit venturesome and be willing to, to take some of those. When, when you look at a search engine, just search engines that are out there. I mean, I know TripAdvisor, Expedia, all those do that you'll have something, but we just are very comfortable with the one we're using. And, uh, and it just is a real joy. There's nothing that makes us happier to find this great little inexpensive place. Yeah. And so it's almost, I mean, I don't know if this is the right word. I'm going to say it's almost a fearlessness that you guys have. (laughs) You have this really amazing, just excited, positive energy. That's like, nothing's going to stop us. And you guys just seem to be like completely unafraid. I'm just wondering, is that something that you developed or have you always had that? I think we both have a trust in humanity. Yes. We think only the positive sides of humanity as much as we can. I realize there's not, there's bad us out there. But really, our outlook has always been look at the goodness in people and look at the goodness in a situation. I, I want to tell you guys, I just I got chills as you said that we have a trust in humanity. I mean, I, I love that so much. And I, I wonder if, if were there any um, did you have any experiences that really emphasized that? Well, we'll tell you this. Um, tell about the young man at the 
at the train station in Japan. Oh, and that's yes. just that's just another great example. Uh, this was not like we were reaching out to someone to do something. We were in Japan and we were in the second largest train station in the world. And for two West Texas girls, that's pretty intimidating because we don't do public transport very well because we don't just don't do that in West Texas. We're standing out there. We happen to have our shirts on total uh just staring at everything in Japanese and wondering how in the world are we going to buy a ticket to Mount Fuji because see we didn't go through some agent to organize our stuff we're doing it ourselves so it's up to us to come up with our solution which we love because we're proud that just pumps us up more when we come up with them or we weren't having much success this young man walks up to us and he says I know you and we looked at him we said you know us oh yes he said I'm from Sylvania and I read about you in the London Daily Mail, and I came to Japan as a tourist. And 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 we said, well, we and he's and so here we were, and that was just the coolest thing in the world. And he said, we told him, well, he said, can I help you with anything? We said, yes, we're trying to go to Mount Fuji, and we just can't figure out where we could possibly go to even in this phenomenal mm -hmm. train station to get a ticket. He said, look. I'll just stop my trip where I was going today. It's not important. And I'm going to help you all get your ticket to Mount Fuji. And that was Ziggy from Sylvania. And that just shows you that he, the goodness in that person, because he was not thinking of himself. He was looking out for others. He had important things to do that day as we all do. So that was just a fun incident that we yeah. had. It's a great story. And, you know, there's just so much. And it's funny that you guys, you know, you're one of those positive uplifting stories that you hear in the media, but that's kind of the exception to the norm, right? I mean, most of yeah. what we see is is not positive uplifting stuff in the media. And that that trust in humanity, the goodness of humanity, where where did that come from for each of you? Well, I think it just came from our travels. You know, we have experience. I guarantee you, we have years and years of experience of traveling around this great earth. And we have had very few experiences probably that were bad, uh, probably maybe 2% or 1%. I don't know. And if you can't come away with a trusted humanity, if you've done that much travel, then you just can't. I mean, it's just there. It's just natural because we've experienced it. We know it's true. We don't. Yeah. But you know, when we're traveling, we are constantly making eye contact and smiling yes. at someone we make eye contact with and striking up a conversation. Yeah. And it's so fun to do that. Yeah. One time we were on a bus going to Aleppo, Syria. Nobody, you know, we're not sure. Just a public bus. Sandy gets up and stands in the middle of the aisle, says, anyone speak English? And of course, uh, yeah. And of course, we're two old ladies. So, you know, we do. We're not young girls and whatever. Look, we're definitely well, not we looking, younger. Then. Well, we were 72. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so anyway, that kind of gives you an idea of how we how we do things. Yeah. And so I, I what, here's what I love about this. You, you know, basically what you shared was that experience has helped you to have that trust in humanity because the experience itself has proven that humanity is good, right? And so I think with um, with this whole podcast and listening to the voice that calls to adventure and overcoming fear and doubt, 
to basically take that first step and and go take that adventure. I, I'm just I'm really curious. Um, were there how did you get to that point? Were there were there times in your life where the fear was there? Because I, I'm looking at two people that seem to have no fear. <laughs> well, that's a very good question because uh, I'm sort of talked about with all of my cousins as the girl who was afraid to climb the trees with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and I was the girl in high school that was very shy. Actually, we were both very shy in, in the high school. My husband was the most outgoing person yeah. in the world. And so he kept exposing me to being outgoing. And that probably helped. And we both had very outgoing, very uh, confident husbands. But they were both the type of husband that encouraged us to be what we wanted to be. And that was important. Yeah. So their spirit helped you guys to show up. And to start building that experience, which ultimately yeah. helped you um, basically get rid of any fear that might possibly be there. <laughs> we don't go, we don't have a whole lot of anxiety. No, no. no. Yeah. And and how has being able to do this together as two friends made this a special experience for you guys? Well, there is no way, even as adventuresome as I have become, I wouldn't have done this by myself. No. It wouldn't have been fun. And, and, and it just, you know, it was so much fun to do this with Ellie and to watch her let the Python wrap itself <laughs> around her body. <laughs> well, and what I love about what Sandy is she hugs everyone. Okay. It doesn't matter. This is it, who, who the person is, what the person is, anything about them. Sandy hugs them. And it's just not a little casual hug. It's a good hug. And that just projects so much to, to the people. But uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've got to imagine that there's a basis of like comfort and safety that you give to each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very much. Mm -hmm. We do travel. We do travel like, I mean, we just have the same, uh, attitude about travel and and uh, a problem if it comes up because actually I can't think of anyone else I could ever go around the world in 80 days with except Sandy yeah. no well, and so I'm I'm curious like what what might it have been like had you attempted to do this trip by yourself no I wouldn't even have started it alone. Not, not this trip. That would have been a lot to have done. I have traveled a couple times by myself. I you know, went to Ethiopia alone and, and went to visit the rock churches there in the mountains and things, but uh, that was pretty simple to do. And, and, uh, and so. I have taken uh, young grandchildren or young teenage grandchildren to foreign countries by myself, but um, that's different than a trip like this. Yeah. So I guess as we pivot a little bit, um, you know, a question that I always like to ask people when they go on these wonderful adventures is, is how you are changed in the process. But as I'm talking to you guys, I'm not sure that I, I feel like this is more of a, a question around your lifetime of travel because it wasn't just this one trip. How has travel and following that voice that call, that calls to adventure changed you? Well, let me tell you, thank you for your observation, because we've been we have been asked that question and we thought this has been our lives. Mm. You know, I mean, yes, I always feel like we are changed for the better every time we encounter humanity and experiences. We're changed for the better. But 
you understood that we've been doing this for this kind of adventure spirit for a long time. I don't know how Sandy feels about that. Yes, but. I totally agree with that. Um, this was just a little more icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's a perfect example of you doing what you love, but because you do it with such passion and energy and you do it in that spirit of trusting the goodness of humanity, like that is just a positive message that the world needs right now. Thank you. Really. And so I guess with that, I'm curious what, what, you know, the media has been all over this. You guys have been all over the news. Like we said, Saturday Night Live. What is it about your story that people are so excited about? Well, this is what has been exciting to us, the people's excitement, because let me tell you what we have heard over and over is that we have brought joy into other people's lives by getting to follow us on this trip. We have inspired them to step out of their comfort zones and to start making some plans. That has been truly just another another wonderful result that we never planned on about this trip. And so, wow. We found that we have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and we just started Twitter. (laughs) But I can tell you our audience and the response is so unique. On on TikTok, while we have close to 50,000, we've had seven, eight million views and one million uh, likes and things, it's crazy. It's about friendship. It's the younger people and they want, and they are crying for a friend, like the friendship Sandy and I have. That's over and over again. And it said, hey, we can do this. You know, we're best friends. This is us. This is, you know. Uh, and so the TikTok thing that we've, we've, what we've given to our followers on TikTok is the value of friendship. Then whenever and and how important it is to have a really good friend. And uh, then the Instagram is sort of a mixture of both. Most of on the Instagram uh, and just for your information, our top five cities that view us on Instagram. Number one is Melbourne, Australia. Number two is Brisbane, Australia, New York City, Abilene, Texas and Sit and another Sydney, Australia. It's crazy in Australia, uh, and uh, mostly more women than anything else. A large majority is women that follow us, but the Instagram is sort of a mixture of the two. And but it's predominantly we. I can do this, you know. I can do this. I'm. I'm. I can look forward. I'm still young enough. I'm in my fifties or forties, and I can do this or I can find someone to do this with. Then our Facebook followers, which is not our largest following, is mostly the older people. And we have two responses from that. One, like Sandy said, I need to get out of my chair and do something. And the other one is the ones that really can't really do that. It's, I met a lady yesterday and she said she was 80. Well, she was older than I am, so a little bit older. And she said something about it is so nice. I could just follow you and get joy in my life by following you. So that's kind of what the social media, in a nutshell, impact that we felt like we've had. And it's so rewarding to us to think that seriously, we, we are making a difference in people's lives 
we never imagined such a thing would happen. Yeah, still and adjust that, to that. And that inspiration that you're that was that was that part of the vision when you set off in January? No, no, because we that? nobody. Yeah, actually, we tried a few times. So, well, people should. This sounds like something people would be interested in. It never. Nobody seemed interested in it. No, and so no, we never thought we'd be an inspiration to anyone. <laughs> Just a fun adventure for Sandy and I, and never dreaming that it would have any significant impact on anyone. So how did it happen? I mean, how do, how do you go from like getting on an airplane to all of a sudden, like all these millions of people are inspired by you? What do you, what do you think it is? Well, well, what happened was we got the media attention. And I think when, once we got the media attention, they realized we are 82 years old. Almost. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 81, I'm sorry. And, uh, we really, uh, we're doing something. I think most people thought, are you sure they're going to be able to complete it? And just for your information of those 80 days, there was not one single day that we stayed, you know, that we stayed in bed or we stayed in our hotel room. When we got to our hotel room, we were ready to go see what was in that country, in that city, in that culture. <laughs> so we never took a day off to rest. Yeah. Your energy is so infectious. It's, it's incredible. What are what are some of the lessons that you hope people will take away from your story? Well, the lesson that I hope people will take away is what Ellie alluded to a minute ago, and that is get up out of your easy chair. Step out of your comfort zone. Make some plans and live. And I, I want to stress something while I'm saying that. You know, when my husband had cancer and was undergoing chemotherapy and he was not allowed to leave the house. Do you know what he did every day? He got on the telephone and he called other people who needed to be encouraged and he encouraged them. So you see, we can all do something for someone else. Thank you for that. Well, that that was that was that was a kind of a mic drop right there, Sandy. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. Um, for those people that are listening to your story, but they're experiencing the fear and the doubt, or they're fearing feeling some resistance, you know, I don't, I don't. That, that's a it's a beautiful story, but I don't think that's for me. I don't think I can do that. What advice do you have for those folks? Get up and do something. Do something to to help this world. Do something you can do your phone. You do it on a phone call, but make a make a difference. Try to do something besides just think about yourself all the time. Pick up some groceries for your elderly next door neighbor. Just do things. Just do it. I love it. Well, you guys, you know, this is an epic story. And I ask every guest that comes on this show because these are such great stories. And I know that Hollywood's going to pick up on your story and they're going to make a movie about you someday. And I think that for you guys, they might really do that. <laughs> but I well, know. actually, we have signed a screenplay contract. Amazing. <laughs> no, so Amazing. <laughs> so, this, so this is for real. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's that for I real. everybody is when Hollywood makes a movie about you, who's going to be the actress that plays you? Let's go. What do you have to say here? Uh, well, actually, someone just the other day said, oh, Jane Fonda should play you. And then I've had uh, Susan Saron. I can't even pronounce it. I We're not big into Hollywood <laughs> actresses. Sandy, who said they would play you? My children, 
my children said Sally Fields would play me. Nice. And I've heard that more than once. So anyway, we've had that question asked to us uh, but, since but the rumor gonna, got out. I'm going to ask you the question. Who do you think should play my role? And my role. Oh man, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, I like your answers. We Jane Fonda and Sally Fields. I mean, perfect. <laughs> Love that right there. And, and I also want to know what the name of your movie is going to be. We don't know that, but the only thing we're just wanting to make sure that the movie and we've been assured the contract and all that will give us like final cut and all that kind of thing. If it goes to that, that we have, it portrays the integrity of our life and our mission in life. Yeah. I want no profanity coming out of my mouth. By any <laughs> okay. I love so it. We have, uh, so, but uh, we can't think of a, a name and never even thought of a name. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that would be, don't want to be the TikTok traveling grannies because <laughs> that one, when we arrived in LAX, we get off the plane and we're just walking out. And this lady comes running up to us and says, Oh, you're the TikTok traveling grannies. And Sandy and I look at each other. Oh, no. And then five minutes later, here comes someone else. Oh, you're the TikTok traveling grannies. So we don't want that name on our movie. That's for sure. Well, your shirts kind of say it all right there. I, I mean, know, that's a yeah. pretty good title right there. That's right. There you go. Around the world at 80. I can't see the bottom. I'm assuming that's what it says. In 80 days. And on the back, it says at 80 and still on the run. At 81 and still on the run, starring Jane Fonda and Sally Fields. There you go. <laughs> I can't wait for this movie to come out. I am so excited. Well, Sandy and Ellie, thank you guys so much. This has been such a fun conversation. And for those listening, I really hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Sandy and Ellie's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Sandy, Ellie, thank you so much for thank being you. here today. Thank you. We enjoyed it. It's great, Scott. Thanks. <laughs>